Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams' is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap. Spot. Kick away. High enough. Long enough. Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome in to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnata, with you guys as always. And today, we are previewing tomorrow's National Signing Day events for the Tar Heels. It is going to be the best class that the Tar Heels have brought in in the modern recruiting era. Um, And I'm riding solo today, so it's not going to be too long of a podcast. We're just going to run you through, tell you what to expect um, from uh, some of the guys that will end up signing their national letters of intent. Of course, it will be starting up early in the morning. There are a lot of guys that are going to be holding ceremonies throughout the day at their high schools. But as most of you guys know from how that has worked in the past, even though some guys are pinpointing a specific time later in the day, some in the afternoon, some in the early evening even are having some of their events. These guys will almost certainly have their letters of intent early in early. Um, and for Carolina, they are now expecting 17 guys to sign with the 2022 class. We will, of course, go a little more in-depth with this uh, when we end up breaking down the class tomorrow night. Both me and Zach Hubbard will be there for that one. But uh, just to give you a little insight on that 17th guy who ended up committing last night, a little bit of a surprise, honestly. Um, Will Hardy was a guy that Carolina had sort of been on for a while since they offered him back in August, Um, but it was kind of from a distance because he was a guy that seemed pretty securely committed to Virginia, and that was really up until about two weeks ago. So uh, Carolina had their work cut out for them on that one, but you have to hand it to the staff. They kept after it, and when Bronco Mendenhall eventually ended up resigning, uh, surprisingly, just a couple of weeks ago, the Tar Heels were the ones that were there to capitalize. They hosted Hardy over the weekend for an official visit, and uh, it went well. went well enough, clearly, that Carolina was able to take advantage uh, and, and, and get that done 
uh, before Wednesday. That was something that we thought we'd probably see as a flip on Wednesday um, with some sort of uh, some sort of event or something like that. That is not the case. He decided to go ahead and announce it last night. So uh, big news for the Tar Heels because they do land a guy now uh, in the class that does help them at a position that is still a bit of a position of need and. Uh, look, Carolina didn't have many of them in this class. I really think they did a good job of addressing the ones that they did have, which were on the offensive line, um, specifically at offensive tackle uh, or and guard. I would say both of them pretty even in terms of the needs at this point. Guard maybe even more so than tackle um, when you look at it with the potential that you could lose both Joshua Izudu uh, as well as Marcus McKeithen uh, heading into next season. But the other thing is is that you're not expecting these guys to make major impacts that are coming in, especially down there. But look, they go and get the five-star offensive tackle, Zach Rice. That was huge. Um, and then, yeah, you end up getting... Uh, you know, some depth guys there as well. And Trevion Green, um, who, you know, is, is looking like a guy that can kind of rotate between multiple positions. And then Justin Kanyuk, who can definitely rotate between multiple positions. So uh, I, I think Carolina has to be feeling pretty good about where this class is at on the offensive line. Also, probably feeling pretty good about where this class is at. At edge rusher, that was another position where they really needed to address uh, they really just need to get bodies in there because, really, plain and simple, they don't have them right now. The depth there is not great, um, especially with Taman Fox gone as well as Tyrone Hopper gone. So uh, Carolina needed some depth there, and I think this definitely helps them to do that. Um, the, the big thing there is that you, you've got a guy uh, that does have a little bit of a slender frame but has the statistics to back it up and is one of Carolina's uh, bigger recruits, one of the guys they valued the most um, when they uh, initially got into the class uh, in Malachi Hamrick. Um, you know, and, and, and then they end up also landing Bo Atkinson, a guy that uh, Carolina – uh, when they made their push, were able to get pretty quickly. Atkinson, a little more of a bigger-bodied guy, someone that I think definitely fits what Carolina kind of needs as one of those guys on the edge that's a little bit bigger. Can, if he can put on some more weight, uh, will help them seal the edge when it comes to run defense, which is something that they've kind of needed from their edge rushers but haven't really been able to get to this point. So we'll see uh, how much he's able to help them uh, there. And Bryson Jennings... Uh, on the edge as well. He is extremely uh, talented, a, a guy with really big upside. Um, another guy that kind of fits, uh, he, he's kind of a hybrid in between the two guys that we talked about. You've got the thinner, more you know, pa pass rush specific edge rusher in uh, in, in Malachi Hamrick, and then you've got Bryson Jennings, who's you know kind of going to be in between, and Bo Atkinson, who I think is going to be a little bit of a thicker framed guy when he gets there, uh, that is going to be able to contribute in multiple ways, uh, especially in that run game for Carolina. So those were the two areas uh, that they really needed to address, it felt like, heading into this class. Corner depth, I think, was also big, especially with some of the guys that you are losing now. They only get one corner in the class, although it's not done just yet. We know that they've gone uh, and gotten two defensive backs in the last in, in two out of the three years that Mac Brown has been there in the late signing period. But Carolina is also looking at a couple of guys in the transfer portal as well that'll probably be able uh, to factor in here over the next couple of weeks and months uh, if Carolina is able to land them as well. So safety was really that other spot that you were looking at. 
And up until this commitment, they really didn't have that guy. Now they bring in Will Hardy, he's listed as an athlete, so you may say, well, if he's listed as an athlete, so how well does he fit that safety position? Well, he fits it extremely well. If you go back and watch his high school tape from this past year, uh, he's he's a tremendous player at that safety position, and I think he can do a variety of different things for you there as well. He kind of gives me the feel a little bit, sort of like we heard with Geo Biggers and, and, and even a little bit with Jaquarius Conley this past year. Maybe not quite the overall talent of those two guys, especially not Conley just yet, um, but definitely a guy that I think can play either that free safety or that boundary safety with the way that he plays. He's extremely fast. He flies all over the field to the football. That's probably his best attribute is his athleticism and speed um, that allows him to cover ground very, very quickly. Uh, he definitely is a good open field tackler, at least from what we've seen on film, and that's something that's definitely going to be welcome because that's an area where Carolina has struggled specifically uh, with their secondary members over the last couple of years so to have him back there that's going to be huge and you know he's also a guy uh, that definitely has some good ball skills because he plays wide receiver on the other side of the football he had some nice production there over the last couple of years as well um, but yeah he's he's definitely a guy that I think Carolina is going to like there because they're still looking for some of those defensive playmakers we saw some guys that sort of stepped up this year the biggest thing for him, though, is going to be like some of the guys that made plays for Carolina this year. You need to see more consistency from these guys because you had a guy like Cam Kelly who had a really good year if you just look statistically. But we know from watching Cam Kelly at times, he is a little bit hit or miss. So that's going to be the thing for Hardy. Can he show a little more consistency and potentially be that playmaker as well that Carolina is looking for? Because he had eight interceptions this past season, uh, had a bunch of pass breakups. They weren't uh, kept as well as his interceptions and tackle statistics were um, this year at Greater Atlanta Christian School. But uh, definitely a guy that I think has a lot of talent. And he's going to be one of the lower rated guys coming in. So look, there's not going to be a ton on his plate coming out of the gate. This isn't a guy that Carolina is going to look to to play a big role early on. He's one of those guys that can come in. Uh, I, I, he definitely has some special teams value. He blocked three field goals this past year. He's a guy that has good, uh, not great returnability, but it is rather solid. And uh, I definitely think that he's a guy that could factor in uh, in those areas for Carolina, um, you know, at, at least his first year on campus, maybe the first couple of years on campus while he sort of gets adjusted uh, to Jay Bateman's defense and everything like that. But this was a guy that it seemed like after Jake Pope was, you know, committed to Alabama, and, and I think that Jay Bateman and the guys kind of got a feeling wasn't going to be able uh, to be flipped. I, I think they were still pushing at times, and I think there were some moments where Pope, you know, he did end up taking a visit to Chapel Hill at one point during the regular season. But I feel like they knew that Hardy was probably their best chance to be able to flip someone, especially as they got closer and closer uh, to early signing day. So uh, I, I feel like he's a guy that fits what this staff is looking for in their secondary, and he will be able uh, to have some really good success. But as we mentioned, we are expecting that all 17 guys as of right now are going to uh, sign with the Tar Heels on uh, Wednesday. Uh, it starts, of course, 
with the biggest guy, the guy that's in state, uh, in the state of North Carolina, and uh, the the six five, three hundred and ten pound defensive lineman, a guy that's probably going to be able to you know slide in there at nose tackle, maybe some next year, but definitely probably by year two, you would hope that he's able to slide in there and take on a big role. That's Travis Shaw out of Grimsley High School in Greensboro, North Carolina. Uh, didn't play a ton this year. He was uh, he did get banged up in last year's or actually earlier this year's state title run uh, during his junior season back in the spring. So he missed uh, about half of the season for Grimsley before eventually circling around uh, and playing the back half of their schedule. Extremely productive guy that can just move people out of the way. Uh, it is one of the rare prospects for Carolina, uh, one of the better prospects that they've landed uh, all time in terms of his recruiting rankings coming in. And I think he's a guy that is going to fit the mold of exactly what Carolina is looking for in the middle of this defense because not only is he a guy that is going to be able to play two gaps, which is something that Carolina needs from their nose tackles and really haven't gotten at a consistent level since Aaron Crawford was there, but you also need a guy that can rush the passer, and that's what Travis Shaw can do for you. On the other side, you've got Zach Rice, the offensive tackle out of Liberty Christian Academy in Lynchburg, Virginia. He is the number 11 rated overall prospect. Travis Shaw, number four. So Carolina with two guys uh, inside of the top 11 prospects in the country. Two five-star prospects. It's the first time since the Butch Davis era that Carolina has been able to do that. Uh, and look, this is a guy that I, coming in, he looks the part. You talk about a guy that can stack up the pancakes. Really, really physical player. Uh, and, and at 6'6", 282 pounds, He's not as as big as you would probably expect a guy uh, that is manhandling guys like he does on film. So he, he's an athletic guy. He can cover a lot of space, good, good lateral movement, um, a really good pass protector, and even better run blocker. This is a guy that I think it's going to be tough for him to come in and make an impact. But this is a guy that I think, you know, you never really know. It's always tough for offensive linemen and defensive linemen to make immediate impacts. But I think if there's guys that can do it, it's these two guys, these two five stars, um, and especially with, with the opportunities uh, that could lay ahead on the offensive line, Travis Shaw could have a really good opportunity to come in and make that early. Uh, or uh, Zach Rice, excuse me, could have a really good opportunity opportunity to come in and make an impact right out of the gate, uh, especially if, uh, you know, Carolina ends up losing Marcus McKeithen and Joshua Zudu, like we told you earlier. You got Andre Green Jr., the big wide receiver out of St. Christopher's High School in Richmond, Virginia. Uh, he is a guy that's ranked inside of the top 100 prospects as well. Um, one of Carolina's more recent commits. Uh, Carolina have fought as hard as they could in this one against Clemson. They ended up landing him, and he's a big frame guy. A uh, guy that Carolina kind of needs in this offense. They need a guy that can go up uh, and get the football. Uh, you know, can win some of those 50-50 balls, something they didn't really have this season. So getting him to Carolina is going to be huge. You've got George Petaway uh, from uh, Nameson Suffolk Academy uh, in Suffolk, Virginia. Um, rated just outside of the top 100 prospects, but is the number eight running back in the 2022 class. Carolina is looking for some production 
uh, from uh, that running back group because, yeah, they haven't really had, you know, this past year outside of Ty Chandler, they didn't really have any consistent production behind him. British Brooks, of course, finished the season strong, and he'll look to do the same in the bowl game. He did announce that he's coming back, but Carolina is still going to have some opportunities open in that backfield uh, for reps, and, and he's definitely one of those guys, especially with his ability to catch the football out of the backfield, to be able to do that. Sebastian Cheeks, the four-star linebacker, number 12 linebacker in the class out of Evanston Township uh, in Evanston, Illinois. Um, versatile guy. Uh, he was used in, in, in a multitude of different ways uh, at, high, at the high school level. Probably projects as an interior linebacker. Um, you know, More of a guy that's going to be able to stay in the box, help take away the run. Definitely something that Carolina needs and pairs very well with a guy that we'll talk about here in just a second in Deuce Caldwell. And really athletic guy can cover sideline to sideline. Uh, all you know has the ability to drop back into coverage. Definitely not uh, his strength, but I think is a guy that really fits what Carolina wants in the middle of their uh, linebacking core. And we'll have some time to sort of get seasoned behind uh, you know a group that uh, Carolina values very highly in Power Eccles and Ra Ra Dilworth from this past class. Another running back in the class uh, that Carolina will be looking to to potentially give them a, a little bit of run here early on in his career is Amari in Hampton. He's the four-star running back out of Cleveland High School in Clayton, North Carolina. Uh, runs with an edge. Uh, he's definitely a guy that people have to be weary of. Uh, he, he's going to be uh, somebody that has that good mix of speed and power. Um, not, I, I wouldn't, it's tough to make the comparison to Javante Williams because Javante Williams especially with what he's doing now at the next level, too, with the Denver Broncos, is showing that uh, he really is just a, uh, a once-in-a-generation type of running back. But Amarian Hampton has a lot of similarities to him, um, and the volume at which he produced in high school is outstanding. He's a guy that's capable of being a workhorse back, something that Carolina won't even really necessarily need him to do early on out of the gate. And he's just like Petaway. He's a guy that could find himself, especially on some of those third down and short situations, he could find himself with an opportunity uh, to get on the field. Tychun Chapman out of Lanstown uh, High School in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Slot receiver, number, 30, uh, number 27 wide receiver in the 2020 to recruiting class. Carolina's got some really good depth at wide receiver in the slot. Um, you know, of course, Josh Downs is not going anywhere. Not going to take reps away from him. Steven Gosnell looks solid in some of the reps that he saw behind him. And then you've got Gavin Blackwell. Tychon Chapman, a quick, speedy guy. When he gets the ball in his hands, very dynamic. And he's a guy that's going to be pushing for reps back there as well. Um, I think he's a perfect fit for the slot. Um, and he's a guy that I think Carolina could use in a multitude of different ways. There could definitely be some different ways you can get him the football, not only uh, by you know being you know throwing the football to him, but potentially handing the ball to him as well. He did a little bit of that in high school. So definitely a very interesting guy in this class for the Tar Heels. Tayon Holloway, the four-star cornerback, the number 24 cornerback in the 2022 class, according to 24-7 Sports, at a Green Run High School in Virginia Beach, Virginia. This is a guy that's been committed to Carolina for a long time. He was actually the second guy committed in the class after Tychon Chapman. And he's, you know, a guy that kind of fits what Carolina wants on the outside. He has good length. 
Um, you know, I mean, granted, he's only six foot, 165 pounds, but uh, definitely a guy that has the length to play on the outside. Uh, but is a guy that can probably play some nickel for you if he needs to, but has the physical uh, attributes that you need at the line of scrimmage. He's a physical corner uh, that can get his hands on guys and, and really plays that man defense role that Carolina really wants in their cornerback. So definitely a guy worth keeping an eye on. Malachi Hamrick, as we mentioned him earlier, the number 15 edge rusher in the 2022 class, four-star prospect out of Shelby High School, just took home his third straight state championship. Played a little bit of linebacker this year, uh, which you'll hear in our interview coming up here, uh, interestingly enough, with um, with Chapel Fowler, uh, who you know has been covering the state of North Carolina recruiting for a while now, covers uh, all the teams as well. You'll hear him coming up, and he did point that out, which I thought was very interesting, especially for a guy that is his size. I think that this is one of those guys that is listed as an edge rusher, but it's definitely worth keeping an eye on what exactly he becomes. I think he's got that pass rushing ability for sure, but I think it'll be interesting to see if Carolina could look at him, especially with the fact that he does have the more slender frame. I'm sure he's put a little bit more weight on now, but 24-7 sports list him as 6'4", 205. That is extremely thin, especially for an edge rusher. So we'll see exactly what his role is. Him having played linebacker this year, though, makes it interesting and could mean he could be a flexible option, especially with Carolina landing two more edge rushers in the class. Marcus Allen out of Walton High School in Marietta, Georgia. He is a four-star corner, um, you know, the number 31 prospect in the class. Uh, this is a guy I think that fits the role of a press corner even better than the guy that we just talked about. This is the guy that has a little bit of a better frame. I got the two mixed up. This is the one that has a little bit of a better frame on him. 6'2", 175 pounds. He's a guy that's going to be able to handle playing those man coverage situations. He did it a lot in high school. Wins the 50-50 ball pretty often as well. I like a lot about him, and he provides a little bit of position flexibility as well. I think now with the fact that Carolina does have a safety in this class, he'll probably end up being a corner for this team, especially because they are needing some depth there. But he's a guy that could move to safety as well. So a, a nice, versatile piece for Carolina in that defensive backfield in this class. Bo Atkinson, the number 18 edge rusher in the 2022 class. One of the things that I like most about him, you talk about a physical guy, um, has some you know decent speed off the edge, but really uses his physicality and, and, and some of the technique moves to be able to get past uh, some of those offensive tackles that he's going to face. So he's a guy that's not just going to win with speed. Uh, he's a guy that has to use a multitude of different ways to win. That's what I think makes him so interesting. And the other thing is, if you look at the other school that recruited him, it the hardest and the team that it came down to, it was Carolina and Michigan. Michigan is a, a you know school that really values recruiting defensive uh, pass rushers for sure, especially over the last couple of years. Of course, Aiden Hutchinson just was in the running for the Heisman, but they've had some really great ones that have been coming through there over the last couple of years. Years, such as Chase Winovich, Quiddy Pay. This is a guy that they wanted. 
Carolina was able to beat them out for. He fits the mold of what a Michigan defensive lineman is, uh, and I think he's definitely going to be a guy that can be a factor for Carolina, especially if he can show that he can help them stop the run on the edge and contain those edges, something that Carolina's sort of struggled to do uh, under Mac Brown uh, and Jay Bateman since their since Mac's return. Bryson Jennings, as we talked about, an athletic guy, good speed off the edge, good pass rusher, um, and, and definitely a guy I think that Carolina uh, is looking at and, and could come in here and provide some depth. I think he's probably going to be a guy that's a little more of a de developmental guy than the other two, but I still think he has a chance to eventually be able to factor in at Carolina for sure. Uh, number 30, uh, edge rusher in the class. He is the first three-star that Carolina has in the class, but he's a borderline guy. I think there's definitely enough talent there for him to be a four-star prospect, and he's a guy uh, that Carolina, I think, really likes. They got him over Virginia Tech. That was a big uh, land for them, especially considering that he is uh, a son of a former Virginia Tech player. So, uh, this this is one that uh, you know the, the the depth here for the edge rushers in this class is really really strong. Trevion Green, as we mentioned him a little bit earlier, at a Life Christian Academy in Colonial Heights, Virginia, listed as an offensive tackle. He's a three star, but he's a little bit he's got some versatility to him. He's six seven, three hundred and forty nine pounds. Now this is a guy that reclassified. He was originally in the two thousand twenty one class. But did reclassify. Um, there was a point where he was, I believe, over 400 pounds or right at 400 pounds. Uh, so he was a big guy. He, he had a lot of weight on him. That was one of the big issues for him and what really took him off a lot of boards. Carolina is going to give him the opportunity, and I think it could definitely work out for them because uh, remember that William Barnes was a guy that struggled with weight even in his time at Carolina, and they were able to sort of right the ship with him. Now he's going to be battling for a starting job, potentially a right tackle with the news that Jordan Tucker is headed to the NFL and will stay in the NFL draft. So this is a, an interesting pickup. He's got some versatility to him. I think you could probably play him at guard or at tackle and really a guy that just moves people out of the way. He's exactly what you would expect for a guy at his size. So a very intriguing prospect for Carolina and interested to see where they end up using him at. Uh, Connor Harrell. We're going to probably talk a lot about him tomorrow night when we end up going through this. Uh, this is one of the guys I like the most in this class for Carolina because I think he is heavily underrated. Uh, you know, out of Thompson High School in Alabaster, Alabama, uh, he just won another state title. He has been extremely successful in the 7A classification. Now, granted, Thompson is a team that is loaded with D1 talent. So uh, it's not, it, it, you know, it's been very easy for them there with all the talent that they've had. Now, that's still one of the tougher classifications in all of the country, uh, as listed by many that cover high school athletics uh, throughout uh, the country. So it's definitely tough. Um, but this is, is you know, he, he's going to have you know, some challenges clearly taking the next step to the college level. Don't sleep on him, though. He's a guy that I think could factor in uh, in the quarterback race. Maybe not next, maybe not this coming year if Sam Howell does leave, but definitely a guy that's worth keeping an eye on going forward as to what impact he could have. He's only a three-star prospect, number 42 quarterback in the class, but if you turn on the film and watch him play, you'll see a much better
better quarterback than that. Uh, and, and, and a guy, I think, that can make just about every throw. Will Hardy, who we talked about a little bit earlier at a greater Christian, uh, greater Atlanta Christian school in Norcross, Georgia. Commonplace for Carolina. They went and got Trey Morrison out of there. Of course, Kyler McMichael, who transferred in, went there as well. So Carolina's had some decent success with going and getting defensive backs out of that high school. I think this is another one that has a chance to pan out really, really well. Um, we broke him down a little bit earlier for you. And, again, really like the speed on him. Good uh, good ability uh, to cover a lot of space really quickly. Uh, will allow him to thrive in certain zone coverage situations and as a free safety on the back end. Or if they want to bring him up into the box as a hybrid guy uh, you know, or, or a boundary safety. Plenty of different things that you can do with Will Hardy. Deuce McAllister. Out of Malden High School in Malden, South Carolina, the number 82 linebacker in the class, number 861 overall prospect. The reason I read that out, this is another guy that I look at and think is very underrated, extremely versatile player, a guy that has the range to be able uh, to cover as a linebacker. Um, very similar, I think, in, in a lot of ways to Cedric Gray. I think not as well known uh, as some of the other guys that Carolina has in this class, but a guy that can do a lot of different things for you. A volume tackler at times in high school. A guy that could drop back and be a coverage guy. Played a little bit of safety early on in his career, so there's definitely some things to like about him. And then you round it out with Justin Kanyuk out of Bethlehem Catholic High School in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Uh, he's listed as an offensive tackle. Uh, number 101 offensive tackle tackle in the country. The only guy for Carolina that is not rated inside of the top 1,000 prospects in the country. Um, Carolina, did, and again, you know, it doesn't really mean a whole lot because Carolina's gone there before. That's what Cayman Rucker was rated below there. He's a guy that is valued in Carolina's defense over the past couple of years, and there's been countless other guys uh, that Carolina has had a ton of success with that weren't as highly ranked, even as he is, when it comes to their uh, their recruiting ranking. But Kanyuk's a guy that is very versatile. Um, he's a guy that I, I, I've seen some people say could be the future of the center position for Carolina. They are still kind of looking for that at this point. Um, it looks like both Q Johnson, definitely Brian Anderson. Brian Anderson will be back next year, but Q Johnson looks like he is attempting to come back for this upcoming season. Justin Kanyuk could be that guy that sort of slots in behind them, gets a little bit of time to learn, and you never really know. Down the line could eventually be that guy, but some good versatility on him. 6'5", 290, he's got the frame already. Um, definitely some limitations with him, especially at offensive tackle. Again, guys, you know, usually your best offensive lineman in high school um, is going to play offensive tackle, no matter his size, no matter how flexible or, or, or he is. Again, his competition isn't going to be as good as he's going to see in the ACC, so that's probably why you're going to project him to move inside at some point. So I think it's more likely that you probably see him play guard or play center, but that's something that Carolina des desperately or definitely needs in this 2022 class. Uh, and that rounds out the group that we expect to sign tomorrow. We'll go more in depth on some of these guys. We'll talk about uh, a couple of these other, uh, you know, a couple of the uh, potential targets uh, for Carolina or positions that Carolina could target here uh, in the late signing period with Zach Hubbard tomorrow. Make sure you guys check that out. That one will be posted 
later on in the evening where we'll go through and look at all the guys one more time. I'll ask Zach about a few of the prospects uh, as well as we'll talk about some of the guys we think can make early impacts. Uh, the guys that we think you know, are the most underrated, stuff like that. We'll give out some of those uh, awards and everything like that uh, as well on uh, tomorrow night's edition of the podcast. Right now, though, we do want to give you a chance to hear from a guy that is tied in extremely well to recruiting in the state of North Carolina, also does a great job covering all of the teams in the state of North Carolina when it comes to what they're doing on the recruiting trail, including the Tar Heels, a team that he covered uh you know, for many years when he was in school, Chapel Fowler uh, of the Fayetteville New uh, of the Fayetteville Observer, um, joined he joined us yesterday to talk about Carolina's recruiting class, and we had to start out by asking him about a guy that he got a chance to see in the state championship games the other day, uh, and one of the guys that we talked about a little bit here, Malachi Hamrick. We asked him what he thinks about his performance in that state championship game. And, the potential prospects for Hammer going. Forward. Yeah, that was um, that was just a heck of a football game that uh, Shelby uh, Wallace Rose Hill game. Um, and yeah, Malachi ended up with the uh, uh, West defensive most outstanding player, um, basically, you know, defensive MVP. That's what that is. Um, you know, fourteen tackles had a sack. Um, played all over. You know, he, he's been playing a lot of linebacker for them uh, just this season. Like situationally, it's it's what they needed. Um, I think edge rusher is still you know where where he expects to play at UNC. Um, but yeah, I saw multiple, you know, he was chasing down guys from behind. Uh, the pursuit really stood out to me. And obviously, you know, his athleticism is pretty easy to see that jumps off the page. Um, but they like that defense did a really good job um, in the second half, especially of slowing down Wallace Rose Hill. They, they have that, you know, 6,000 yard rushing offense. Uh, they're app state bound running back Kanye Roberts. I think he topped out the season with like 58 rushing touchdowns, which is just like, unbelievable second most in a single season ever uh, in state history um and that game was close at halftime it was like a one score game and um shelby's defense really buckled down um and allowed you know just one touchdown in the second half and you know that was late in the fourth quarter um so that uh that defense really stepped up and then obviously their offense is really strong too um so that made for a kind of perfect storm and got uh, got Malachi his uh, third championship in four years. And I think Shelby's, you know, seventh in the last nine years. So, you know, continuing the dynasty over there for sure. Yeah, no, they have put together just a, an unbelievable dynasty for sure. And uh, Carolina able to dip into that. And look, he, he was one of the early guys to commit to this class that uh, now is just absolutely loaded. When you look at this class, I don't think people, you know, if you just look at the national ranking ranked eighth, you would think, okay, that's that's really good. But you're talking about a class that if you go by the 24-7 sports average ranking for the guys, ranks fifth in the country, just how loaded is this class for Carolina and how important is, to, is that to what Carolina is trying to do, which is build a consistent contender year in and year out? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you said it. Um definitive honestly is the word i would use um you know i think even a few games into this topsy-turvy 21 season kind of like um you know something that fans would find themselves going back on and like for good reason was the idea of like okay so look at this 22 class um as it was getting better and better you know despite that you know disappointing season that that didn't seem to hurt recruiting um so i think what that kind of does is it obviously positions you and see and like uh okay like you know this is the third full class under brown you know this is the best class under brown it probably will be by the time 
everything sorts out even in February. Um, it's right up there with 0709 as being, you know, the top class in the internet era for UNC. Um, and then from there, it's just a question of like, you know, okay, well, how does that translate? You know, you, you don't expect all 16 of those guys to be starting on day one, but like, you know, that, that is, like you said, that average ranking, that, that is a deep class filled with a lot of guys um, who certainly have the potential to be, you know, good power five contributors. Um, but I think kind of the question has been so far, um, you know, has UNC gotten that out of their great recruiting classes so far? Um, they have to some degree, probably not as much as some fans would like. Um, so I guess this 22 class, you know, it offers all the opportunity in the world, um, you know, to to get everything you can out of a Travis Shaw or Zach Rice or Omar Hampton or George Petaway or, you know, the list goes on and on and on. Um, but uh, that's going to be really interesting to watch. Um because, you know, with, with a great freshman class comes great freshman expectations. Uh, and the best programs, the ones that do contend, you know, Ohio State, their freshman running back, Travion Henderson, was like, you know, starting from the first game and killing it. You know, one of the best running backs in the country. Um, the programs that can get that out of freshmen um, or down the line, sophomores, juniors, whatever, um, to get that to consistent, you know, production and the production that, you know, those guys are uh, capable of. I think is going to be crucial. Um, so that makes this 22 season even bigger. Obviously, after the shaky 21 season, 22 is already a big uh, season, but even bigger now. Yeah, no, for sure. And look, you mentioned uh, Travion Henderson and the success that he's had. You know, one of the guys I think that Tario fans are kind of looking at in this class uh, out of the running back position to potentially come in and make an impact early on is Amari in Hampton. And he just won uh, Mr. Football for uh, the state of North Carolina, given out by the Observer, which is the group that you write for. You know, when you look at, at Hampton, is he a guy that you think could come in and maybe not give that type of impact? That's a lot to ask. But to come in and, and, and be a part of this rotation in the backfield as a freshman and potentially show uh, some signs for, for the future in his first season on campus? Yeah, I mean, um, the way that I, I told it to somebody a few days ago is, you know, if Caleb Hood can make that impact as a true freshman, um, you know, I see no reason why Marion Hampton, um, who arguably, you know, is a more talented pure running back than him, you know, at least in terms of high school ranking scouting and stuff, um, you see no reason why he couldn't do the same. Um, obviously, that's a room where they're going to be looking for some contributors. Uh, British Brooks back. Um, but uh, besides family, you know, like there are some open open touches there. Um, yeah, Omarin is really um, – well, he obviously put together such a historic season this year, and just his whole career has been kind of defined by that. You know, if he – and this is what the Cleveland coach, Scott Riley, will often joke um, <laughs> to many people, you know, if he played more second halves, uh, play more fourth quarters, you know, the stats would be even more eye-popping than they already are. Um, you know, I think he lost something like two or three fumbles, you know, across his entire high school career. Um, you know, that this season, 39 rushing touchdowns. I think he had something like 44, 45 total touchdowns. He's like top 10 in single season for that. Um, you know, people really just glance off him sometimes. Uh, he is a true power back. Um, and the speed is really impressive too. Um, I mean, he certainly has the build uh, to contribute immediately. And, you know, I think, um, you know, a short yardage power back, that's something, uh, that's a position that as a freshman you can get some reps at. I mean, you look like a Javante Williams. He um, mm -hmm. didn't do a ton freshman year, but in those situations, you know, he really did flash that ability that he showed later on. So, yeah, I mean, Omarion is definitely, I think, set up um, 
you know, just him as a recruit and then um, situation-wise in that room as somebody who could really, uh, you know, step in, I don't know, two, three, four times a game and, you know, provide that third and one carry and, you know, bruise around a little bit. Yeah, no, and I mean, we saw with Javante, you know, as he got later on into that season, he, you know, started taking on a little bit of a bigger role and, and eventually started that game uh, against NC State and, and, and thrived, leading to what was eventually a great two-year run with them there. So if he can bring anything like that, uh, that would be huge for this Tar Heel backfield that, that is kind of looking for answers uh, with Ty Chandler moving on. What about, you know, the the, the two guys, you talked about them earlier Travis Shaw and Zach Rice. I think everybody kind of want to know, wants to know what type of impact they'll be able to have coming in. I think the the, the thing that's tricky, and, and and I'm interested to see what you think about this, is that the two positions that they play being in the trenches, it's a little bit tougher to make that impact immediately. But do you think that these are two guys that could potentially factor in when they get to campus this year? Yeah, I mean. You're totally right. That that is probably two of the toughest positions. Um, and plus UNC, especially at defensive line, you know, there's a ton of guys there. Um, I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, there's depth. There's veteran guys. Um, you look at like a Keyshawn Silver this year. I know injuries kind of played a factor, um, but he was kind of, you know, he was in the rotation, but he, he didn't really play as much as maybe some people were expecting. Um, and, you know, maybe that sets them up for a sophomore year, which has, you know, been the case in the last few years. Some sophomore guys have really broken up for UNC across the board. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, if I had to make a prediction, I'd, I'd say it's probably a little bit safer to bet, you know, like a skill guy like Omarion is taking more big snaps before those guys. Um, but, I mean, I think they're both early enrollees, and I think, you know, there's probably few positions where that's more important um, than offensive line and defensive line. You know, those are – complex positions uh you're really <laughs> you're really having to go as hard as you can every snap you know one little mistake is always magnified um and with however many people are at that position depth wise um it's kind of a battle get on the field you know um mm-hmm. it's not like you can trot back zach rice to return a kickoff like you could you know Andre green if you wanted to get him a snap randomly in an acc game right. um so i'm super interested to see how those two guys develop um and I think, you know, Mac Brown has said this many times. Um, it's a pretty, you know, tried and true college football at Dodge, like you build from the trenches. Um, they've had, you know, a few good recruits, especially on the defensive line. Um, that didn't exactly show this year. Uh, but, you know, they had two more, and those are the number number two and number three all-time commits in program history under the 247 rankings, I think. Um, so certainly, uh, certainly good to get those guys in the room. Um, but two tough positions as well. Um, so, yeah, I'm interested to see how uh, how those freshman years play out in terms of tangible, you know, big-time playing time. Yeah, and I mean, look, you know, there, there have been some teams, uh, especially uh, over the last couple of years, that have been able to work some of those younger guys in there. And I think really most people are looking to Zach Rice as, as the guy that they really want to see step up. You're expecting to potentially lose uh, a couple of guys uh, who could be looking to try to go to the NFL early or a couple of guys that at least participated in senior day uh, that may not be coming back next year. So I think that's where a lot of people are, are, are looking towards. Um, and look, Zach Rice, I mean, he, he's got the talent. Uh, he's he's a heck of a player, and he's one of many uh, that Carolina has in this class from the state of Virginia. What do you make of the dominance that Carolina had in the state of Virginia on this recruiting trail? And, and do you think that this is something that they can keep up uh, with the new hires that Virginia and Virginia Tech have made. Yeah, yeah, that was my first thought. You know, I bet uh, 
uh, you know, Tony Elliott and uh, Brent Pry <laughs> are trying to make sure that doesn't happen again. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I was I was crunching the numbers on that for a story I had um, that went up this morning. Um, let's see, five of the top eight, seven of the top eighteen in the state. You know, that, that's that's a pretty crazy haul. Um, only two other times that UNC has taken more people from a non-North Carolina state in one class than they have North Carolina. Um, 2008, there were like seven guys from Virginia, four from UNC, something like that. 2012, Florida, also seven guys. Um, but talent-wise, you know, the the quality of the recruits in that out-of-state group, um, UNC's 22 group from Virginia is really, you know, it's it stands alone kind of in the modern era um, in terms of what they've been able to get out of that state. Um, obviously, you know, with the 757 guys, they have established a really strong foothold there. It's been there. You know, it was there in Brown's first stint. Um, Bringing back Dre Bly was a you know an automatic way to improve that, and they've really excelled there. Obviously, haven't hit on every single person. Like a Sherrod Koval was one they missed on in this cycle. Um, Dylan Everett um, has seven five seven roots, but they uh, they're certainly in contention um, for all of those guys. But what's really impressed me, and I think was honestly shocking, the um, you know the degree to which that was transferable in a in a Richmond for Andre Green Jr. You know Lynchburg for. Zach Lynch, uh, Zach Rice, you know, that's, uh, that's on the 757, that, that's statewide. Um, and that's not just Dre Bly. You know, he plays a role in that, but it's the other position coaches that are still able to make an impact um, there. So, yeah, that, that's, uh, like I said, kind of an unprecedented development in terms of modern history for UNC, you know, being able to focus so much and get so much, you know, out of a state that isn't North Carolina. Um, while at the same time, you know, keeping up the high, uh, you know, in-state recruiting marks too. Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, that's probably, you know, I think that's the story of the cycle. You know, that's, that's what has taken them from, you know, a strong, I don't know, 13th, 14th ranked class. That's what they've had, you know, last few years uh, to bump into that eight, nine, 10 range, you know, which is virgin on historic in terms of their top finish ever. Um, it's because they've been able to do such a good job, you know, just to stay above them. Well, I'm looking forward to that piece for sure. And one of the ones that I read the other day, you were looking at some of the guys that Carolina was potentially trying to flip. I know that Will Hardy was on campus uh, this past weekend for an official visit, um, and it seems like Carolina's in a pretty good spot for him. You know, what do you think about some of these guys that Carolina's trying to flip, and do you think that they can get any of these done here to add another name uh, to this already really strong class? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, Hardy is definitely the one that they're in the strongest position with. Um, I think that was, that was always going to be the case, um, you know, with, with, you know, Dave Clawson didn't go anywhere. So Wesley Grimes, that was already a long shot. Um, they offered him late. Uh, he, he's been, you know, super solid in his Wake Forest commitment um, by all accounts from what I've heard and read. Um, and then, you know, the, uh, the Gunnar Gibbons one, kind of another, I don't know, with the, with the early signing period, it's really tough. Um, even after a coach gets fired, you have so little time to really, you know, get in there and, and convince a guy a flip is worth doing. Um, that's a hard thing to do. Obviously, they did it with Hal, and that's uh, that's kind of defined this uh, return stint for Mac. Um, but certainly not the easiest thing to do. Um, but yeah, I think out of that group, it, it's got to be, you know, Will Hardy is where they probably feel most confident. Um, to get him on campus, you know, for a game in the fall while he was still committed, and then to get him on campus um, now for this official visit weekend, you know, right before um, – you know, Mac, Mac Brown's a pretty good closer, um, so I'm sure, I'm sure they brought it out, brought out the red carpet there. <laughs> um, and he, he's a really interesting athlete, and I think, um, you know, safety is a position where uh, positionally like depth 
would be good for them. Um, mm-hmm. So I can see why they're pursuing him um, so late. And yeah, definitely, I think out of that group, that's the most realistic one. Um, smaller class than usual. Uh, maybe that leaves room for a few transfer guys instead of, you know, those attempted flips of a Wesley Grimes or a Gunnar Gibbons. Um, but yeah, Hardy. And uh, I mean, as of now, I don't see any other huge surprises flip-wise. Uh, but transfer portal will definitely be something to watch as they kind of fill out that class further, you know, from 17, which is going to be one of their smallest ever. 17 if they get Hardy, 16 now. Yeah, yeah. no, And I, I think... I mean, yeah, I think if they get him for sure, that's that's big. Um, Toriel fans might look and say, well, you know, he's a, he is a three-star prospect. But I feel like safety is probably the last remaining need that they have in this class because the depth there is not great. Uh, and to be honest with you, they could also use some talent there, um, just some other guys in that room because that group was extremely hit or miss once again this year, just like it was a year ago. Um, but, yeah, I, I think uh, the transfer portal is definitely an area that they are going to be approaching. Uh, and, and, and I think my biggest question for you is, is are you going to be covering the transfer portal stuff too? Because if you are, you may never sleep. <laughs> yeah, uh as responsibly as I can. Um, no, it is, uh, you know, I was looking through, you know, some other, you know, NC State has a small class too, UNC has a small class, everybody has a smaller class. And that's the reason, you know, because um, college football recruiting has kind of been turned upside down, whether you think it's a good thing or a bad thing is up mm-hmm. to you. Um, but it has by this, uh, this one-time transfer exemption. Um, you know, um, if you miss on a guy like, like UNC basketball did with a, uh, with a Dawson Garcia, and then suddenly things don't work out with Kessler, you know, it's just like, you know, you're back in time another year, you're recruiting them all over again. And then there's no, uh, there's no restrictions. Um, so it definitely adds like another layer, um, you know, to where, I don't know, so, someone's committed somewhere and, you know, maybe you can't, you can't flip them at that moment, but uh, a year from now, like you, you have a feeling, you know, maybe something will change and you kind of factor that into your next class recruiting wise. Um, really an interesting setup and obviously recruiting, um, recruiting a high school guy versus a transfer guy is so different. Um, Another basketball thing, but I talked to talked with this about um talked about this with Courtney Banghart, the women's basketball head coach, um, at the ACC media days because you know that they've done a good job getting in transfers, and she kind of put it like, you know, when you're recruiting a high schooler, like you know, the whole world's ahead of both of you. Um, when you're recruiting a transfer, you need a specific thing, and they need a specific thing because um, they've obviously been somewhere that that specific thing wasn't there. Um, so, like, if you can't provide that, you're probably, you know, you're probably not going to get them, and you certainly don't want to mislead them. Um, so it's a very, like, it's like a refined level of recruiting that's, like, super positional need-based. Um, and that can obviously, you know, affect a high school class a lot. Like, how, how much how much effort do you want to put into, you know, let's say, like, an offensive guard um, if you think there might be a few guys available portal-wise? Um, and that's, um, on a smaller level, that's kind of hurt some, 22, 23, class of 21, like fringe guys that are maybe right on the edge of Power 5 status, right on the edge of D1 status. Um, but yeah, ripple effects, you know, to the max. But hopefully I'll be able to get uh, some sleep if I <laughs> do end up doing a lot of transfer portal stuff. 
Yeah, well, let's uh, let's hope they at least give you a little bit of time to rest. Um, but hey, uh, yeah, so make sure uh, you guys check them out on social media at Chapel Fowler. That's where you can check out uh, both of those great articles uh, that we referenced here and all that great stuff. Hey, man, you're doing a fantastic job covering uh, everything going on in the state of North Carolina with recruiting. Man, you're always one of our favorites to bring on here uh, and talk a little bit of recruiting with. And this is your crazy week, man. So uh, yeah, find that time to get some sleep in there while you can, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right, man. Sounds great. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll pop in some uh, Soprano season two is what, what my new binge is. So oh, I'll pop some of that in there for my mental health. But yeah. Oh, there <laughs> you go. Come on, man. I like uh, it. Really appreciate it. Um, love what y'all do. And thanks for the shout out. Um, sure, we'll talk again soon. So yeah, thanks again. Definitely, man. All right. You take care. We'll talk to you. All right. Thanks, Anthony. Bye. Bye bye. Football fans, I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game, but with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you will be a winner once a single point is scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving new customers shots at millions of dollars and total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TPPN. Bet $1 on any team to score and you win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager is required. Only one per customer. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, so we want to thank Chapel Fowler for stopping by with us. Great stuff from him. He does a tremendous job covering the state. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, in Carolina, they are going to be going heavy in the state of North Carolina in this next recruiting class, it feels like, with some of the great prospects that are going to be out there. This is another really, really strong class for the state uh, overall. I think it kind of lines up very similarly to the class uh, that the group had back in 2021. So, uh Definitely worth uh, following him. Uh, he, you know, he did a great job. As he mentioned, he wrote a piece uh, on uh, the Virginia success that Carolina has had as well. So, as you see, not only does he cover the prospects in the state of North Carolina, but he also does a tremendous job of covering uh, the, all the teams in the state of North Carolina and their recruiting classes. So, that is wraps it up for this edition of the podcast. Uh, Guys, make sure you head over to the website, check out all of the great stuff that we're going to have over there uh, covering National Signing Day. We'll, of course, go in-depth. There's an article uh, that we are going to be throwing up there uh, or should be up there, actually, as of right now on the website for you guys. Make sure you go and check it out. Um, We'll have that up there. It'll preview uh, some of the storylines heading into National Signing Day tomorrow. Uh, Not a ton of them with Will Hardy uh, committing. That was one that we had going in. But we'll give you a look at a couple of ones uh, that you should be keeping an eye on for Carolina uh, heading into tomorrow. And then, of course, tomorrow we'll have a breakdown of all of the players that Carolina ends up landing in the recruiting class. We'll go in-depth on every single player for you. And we're also, uh, I'm going to try to do it. Again, the schedule is crazy 
crazy. I thought I was going to get a little more free time here, and that's why I started getting into it. But it doesn't appear like I'm going to get a ton of free time here uh, over the next couple of months. So unfortunately, I don't know how many guys I'm going to be able to get to, but I'm going to try to get to as many as I possibly can from this 2022 recruiting class and get you a scouting report on all of these guys from one of the games this past season to give you a feel for what exactly to expect uh, for Carolina's guys as they come in uh, to, uh, you know, some of them will early enroll. You'll have some guys uh, that will pretty much almost immediately early enroll and be able to participate with the team in some of the bowl practices and then uh, tell you about some of those other guys that will be joining in the summer as well. Um, so keep an eye on the website for all of that. We will also have you covered when it comes to the bowl game stuff. Carolina going to the Duke's Mayo Bowl. Uh, we are going to uh, hopefully be in attendance. I believe I'm going to be able to get out there and see that game. Josh will unfortunately not be able to because of our work schedule. Um, I'm going to make the short trip from where I work at right down the block uh, to be able to check out that game hopefully. So uh, either way, even if I'm not able to, I will definitely be uh, able to watch the game. So I will have uh, a full breakdown uh, or recap for you as well as uh, the stock report for you afterwards. We'll preview the game for you beforehand. All that great stuff will be on the website for you guys. And then make sure that you head over and check out the basketball stuff. Uh, Josh has you covered on the basketball side of things. Carolina uh, tonight uh, playing a game against Furman. So make sure that uh, you guys are looking on the website for that Furman recap. And then on Saturday, Carolina traveling out to Vegas to take on UCLA. That'll be their last big test in the non-conference. They will have App State to close out the non-conference in the middle of next week. But then after that, it is into conference play for the Tar Heels already. Josh has he covered throughout the entire season over on HeelToughBlog.com. Make sure that you guys check out the podcast while you're there as well. You got both the Heel Tough Blog podcast and the Four Corners podcast tabs at the top of the page for both of them. Make sure you click on those, or you can go the traditional route in the way where you can subscribe, which is to go to any of your major podcasting platforms and check it out, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, TuneIn, any of those great spots, it's all there. And when you go there, as I mentioned, you can subscribe so that you don't miss any of these great editions of the podcast. We've got a bunch of great stuff coming up. We'll, of course, have the preview for the South Carolina game. Uh, we do have a special edition that I'm going to have as well where uh, one of my friends who is a writer, she does a tremendous job for Gamecock Central, the rival site that covers the Gamecocks. She stopped by with us earlier this week. That'll be posted next week once we get through all the signing day stuff where she sort of previews everything that is uh, going on with the Gamecocks this season and the team that we will be facing uh, when we end up playing South Carolina on December 30th. So you won't want to miss that. You won't want to miss our preview of the game uh, or the recap. And then we'll, of course, finish up the season with awards uh, and all that great stuff. And then we'll go into the offseason. We'll still be doing a bunch of podcasts, though, especially uh, with the late signing period where Carolina, as we mentioned, has been active over you know during Mac Brown's time. Uh, at Carolina and with the fact that the transfer portal is probably going to be a big factor for Carolina 
uh, over the next couple of months as they try to piece together that 2022 roster for a team that is going to have some pretty significant pressure on them. Um, we'll take you all the way up to that 2022 season opener as well on the podcast side of things. Make sure you check out the Facebook page as well. All that great stuff that we just talked about. It's all in one central location on that Facebook page. So make sure you guys go and check that out. And then make sure you guys also head over and check out what we got going on uh, you know, over on the Twitter page, at Heel Tough Blog on Twitter. You can also check out our personal pages, at HTB Anthony for me, at HTB Josh for Josh, the co-host uh, during most of the in-season pods and some of the off-season pods uh, when we're talking about the team on the field. And then when you're talking about recruiting, it is at HackZubber2. He is gearing up for tomorrow night. He is ready to go. He has been tweeting out all week, having you covered on everything going on with some of the Tar Heel recruits. So definitely check out those social media pages for us if you could. So that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast. Want to thank Chapel Fowler for stopping by with us. Want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tories!